You're listening to the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott, providing you inspiration, information, knowledge, and motivation to help you on your soul's path. Covering topics related to health and happiness from the mystical to the metaphysical and everything in between. Making the unknown known. Now let's join the podcast to discover today's topic. Okay, and we are recording. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. This is the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with your host, me, Michael Philpott. And uh, this is going to be a really interesting story. But I always say that with all my shows because I just think of this as a fascinating topic. Um, Joanne, before we get going, I just have to do my little business end of the podcast here. So I just want to say, A really big shout out to everybody who's been listening to my show for the past uh, year or so, uh, a couple of years anyways, and especially this past year. I want to say thank you to all the love and support that you guys have sent me, and I really, really do appreciate it. So this one is for you guys. Um, Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, because I've been off for a while, you you know that the algorithm just shuts everything down. So I'm being hidden. So please like and subscribe. And also, if you're on Spotify, hit the follow there. And if you're on Apple, definitely yeah, give it a five star. And also uh, do me a favor and give me a little bit of comment there. Positive one. Thank you. And um, and if you want to support this channel, this channel is uh, funded fully by you guys. So I really appreciate any donations you can send my way. And they're always in the episode link. So there's lots of ways to be able to donate. So I really appreciate that. Hold on for a second, Joanna. I think I talked myself out there. So that being said, Joanne, how are you, my friend? Yes, I'm well. I'm well. Thank you. Yeah, this is, uh, we're going to be talking about a gentleman named TJ Davis. So for a lot of people who don't know who he is, this is, I call this as like, it's a fascinating story about reincarnation, the soul's journey. It's, it's a bit of, it's it's kind of a sad fairy tale in some ways, from what I understand. Karma, there's it's a really a, a deep mix, and it's just it, it's so fascinating to understand that this gentleman's soul and his past lives are so tremendous that he decided to reincarnate to come back into this world again. But that being said. Joanne, so if you want to just kind of give us briefly who T.J. Davis was for a lot of listeners who really don't know this gentleman. Uh, T.J. Davis was the nephew of Gladys Davis, who was Edgar Casey's secretary. Um, okay. Edgar Casey, for those of you who don't know who he is or who he was, uh, was one of the most renowned psychics of the 20th century. He did 14,000 readings. Uh, 2,000 of those were life readings in which he told uh, people about their past lives. But the majority of them were all health readings. And boy, could we use him today, (laughs) I tell you. Although he left us all this extraordinary work so that we can still look up a lot of the the readings that he gave. Anyway, um, T.J. Davis uh, was born in uh, June 21st, 1936. Uh, Gladys's brother, uh, Boyd, was TJ's father. His mother was Berlin. And um, they were alcoholics and they were gamblers. 
and they really did not want a baby. And TJ's little soul knew this because TJ's uh, intent was to come and be a part of Mr. Casey's life again, because they had been together for many, many, many lifetimes. They'd been together in Egypt. They had been together all, all over for, for centuries. And so TJ being a part of Casey's soul family, you know, he was zeroing in on, I, I want to be with Mr. Casey again. And, and actually, this is a theme throughout his life, uh, Michael, because he didn't really, he wasn't the kind of guy that focused on the fact that Mr. Casey said he had been Thomas Jefferson. He had, he really was focused on, I'm so lucky that I had Edgar Casey in my life. Well, as it turns out, um, you know, the way TJ told the story, he wanted to be Edgar's son, but it was too late by the time he checked in on him. He wasn't going to come through Gladys because she wasn't married. So he decided to come through Boyd in Berlin. And um, that's what he did. But because his mother was an alcoholic, uh, the doctor had, after he was born, the doctor gave him two days to live. Wow. He said, he said his body was all dried up like a piece of wood. And so uh, Mr. Casey knew this. So Mr. Casey tells Gladys, bring the baby here. I'll, I'll take care of him. And so that's what she did. She brought him over to Mr. Casey. So at two days of age, Mr. Casey gave a reading. For, for And actually, Mr. Casey named him also. He didn't have a name at that point. And when oh, they- really? Yeah. Yeah. When, when the doctor came and said, had the blank birth certificate. He said, we've got to give this baby a name. Well, actually, he wanted to give him a name because he thought he was going to die. The doctor did. And Mr. Casey said, call him Thomas Jefferson Davis. That's where the TJ comes from. That's so, hilarious. Uh, yeah. So um, Gladys brings the baby over. Mr. Casey does the reading, tells Gladys, give him carnation milk. He'll be fine. She gives him the carnation milk. He was fine. <laughs> Uh, that was the first of many, 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 many health readings that Mr. Casey gave for TJ. It actually saved his life a few times. All right. So you were talking about um, how TJ got to Mr. Casey was a, a health reading at two years old. Two days. And two, oh, two days. Yeah, two days. Oh, my gosh. So he had a, his first reading, So which yeah. was a health reading that he right. had right. at two days old. Okay. Thank days. you. All right. So there. Go from and there. Yeah, and then Mr. Casey uh, gave him four of his past lives. Um, so he, this, okay, so hold on. I've got to build this up a bit here. Right. I want everybody to understand this gentleman's past lives. Now, we've talked about this on a previous uh, episode. You can always check that out. Go back to my catalog. But the idea of having past lives and how certain lives are amazing and certain lives are not so amazing. But this is what real this is what the really intriguing thing. So, which kind of when I first heard about his story, and I think you mentioned it, but I think what sparked it too was I had a conversation with Sydney, Sydney Kelpartrack, yeah, about this. And I was like, really? So let me just preface this. Just listen to this. This is how crazy I'm talking about reincarnation. Okay. So from there he, he goes to Casey, he has the reading. Right, right. And then Casey tells him about these four past lives. All right. One of which was in, uh, his name was uh, Sulanan, I believe. And he that was an Atlantean lifetime. He was with the wrong side of the, of the <laughs> group. He was with the... Uh, the um, Sons of Belial? Belial, right, right. Yeah. And the Sons of Belial. Uh, and he met the soul that became Gladys. 
and fell in love with her. She, of course, was with the Law of One, the Daughters of, of One, and she converted him. And so he was one of the men that helped to uh, take people out of Atlantis at the time of the destruction. And he helped to settle uh, different areas around the world. Um, that's all outlined in, in the in the book and in his reading. Uh, he was also Alexander the Great. That's his second, um, that's his first famous past life. But if you were to ever ask him about that, he said, oh, I don't think Alexander was so great. All he did was go around killing people. So he wasn't really happy about that lifetime at all. <laughs> uh, then he had a life in early France. He was involved with helping to establish the government of, of France. And then of course the big, the Thomas Jefferson life. Um, what happened in that reading? Oh, just, just want to just want to interrupt you because I have a lot of people who listen uh, over in Europe that maybe not familiar with who Thomas Jefferson was. I think I've, most people understand who Alexander the Great is, yes. but uh, I know my American listeners should know this from their history lessons. You better know this. <laughs> you, you better know this, and yeah. even my Canadians uh, listen to this. They may kind of understand yeah. who this person Je Thomas Jefferson was. So just kind of give a brief history. So T.J. Davis, his past life was. One of them was Thomas Jefferson. Who was the one of the founding fathers of the United States. He was the third president. He was the uh, author of the Declaration of Independence. He was the author of the, um, the uh, Statute for Religious Freedom in Virginia. And he was the founder of the University of Virginia, all in Charlottesville, Virginia, where I live. Uh, so I'm kind of a stone's throw from Monticello. Uh, and so, um, yeah, so he had quite an auspicious pedigree, you might say. Um, so that must be, that must have been really as, as a parent. I mean, as I read your book, it must have been really difficult given the, I guess, the mental faculties of his parents to find out that your son is pro had two of probably one of the most famous lives that most people like if if somebody was a historian they would lose their mind just thinking about this person as a soul that came in as this young boy into these parents do you think that added i mean they have obviously they had their issues like they there weren't really great parents do you think that um that added to yeah. the stress of berlin besides her drinking and other stuff that she was doing too as well no, I don't think so. I think it uh, uh, because if you if you look at the the readings and the letters that went back and forth during those formative years, she was pretty much doing her own thing, and her husband was doing his own thing, um, and they just entrusted that baby to Gladys. And you know, he T.J. spent the first eight years of his life um, living with the Caseys on and off, not constantly. Um, but the thing about the, the the reading that I that I really want to emphasize with everyone, it wasn't so much the fact that Casey said he was Thomas Jefferson. Um, it was the fact that he said that that soul could do for the world what Jefferson did for this country. Okay, wow. that's the head part, you know. Okay, so just let's let's just repeat that again because I think that's so important for people to understand on a soul level, but just on a, a larger scale of that. I think that's really, if you just repeat that, what you just said, because I just yeah. wanted to emphasize that. Yeah, he said that this soul that was in TJ's body 
could do for the entire world what Jefferson did for the United States. Wow. Now, that isn't heavy. I don't know what is. So this was given to him when he was two days old. And consequently, everybody at the ARE, the Association for Research and Enlightenment, which is the organization that Mr. Casey founded, they knew this. Everybody knew that reading. And everybody was watching this little boy to see if there were any signs of Jefferson coming out. And every once in a while, there, there was. I mean, they, they acted like this was perfectly normal because in Casey household, it was normal, you know. I mean, you know, he TJ used to say, yeah, they had some of the apostles were there. He, you know, all these famous past lives were where people were coming in to see Mr. Casey. So, uh, this kind of a conversation uh, was normal to them. And, and TJ actually didn't know the world didn't revolve, didn't wasn't like that until he uh, started to get away from the Casey compound and go to school and meet, have some friends and everything. And then he realized not everybody uh, was having the kind of life that he was having. You know, they, they weren't seeing fairies. They weren't, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I have a whole slew of things in there that, that, uh, that were part of, of TJ's childhood that were just totally, you know, <laughs> the opposite end of the spectrum of what a normal, what do you call a normal childhood? You know, Mr. Casey was his teacher. Mr. Casey took him out to the pier by the lake behind the house, and he taught him about auras. He taught him about reincarnation. He taught him about creation story. I mean, everything you can think of. He's pouring all that wisdom into the body of that little child. You know, you could. there's pictures of the two of them together on the pier, which are so endearing. Mr. Casey truly loved TJ, truly loved him. And um, and it's obvious which when you see the pictures of them together, um, and I think he had great great hopes for him, but um, alas, <laughs> that did not come to be. And the fact that it didn't come to be caused a lot of grief for T.J. And that's one of the reasons I wrote the book was because I felt that he had been maligned. I felt that there were people who didn't understand him. People were. Uh, very condescending toward him. Uh, not that he didn't deserve some of that, but um, mm -hmm. but the idea that, you know, oh yeah, you were told you were gonna be this great person, you could do this great thing for the world and you haven't done anything, you yeah. know? Why didn't he? That was my, that was what, cause I didn't, I did not know Mr. Casey to ever be wrong on any of his readings. So I was wondering, okay, it's not that Casey was wrong about what he could do. Something happened to put TJ on a different trajectory and caused him to not go in the direction that Mr. Casey foresaw that he could go in. So that was the whole purpose of my book was to research his childhood. And I read all the letters that were in the archives um, to find out, you know, can I piece this together? Can I figure this out? So that do you think? Do you think Casey's death was uh, because he was supposed to have a reading? What uh, at thirteen or twelve or one of those ages that he was supposed to have that uh, the another reading to help him further? And but Casey ended up passing uh, just before that. And when it was at forty-five that he passed. Uh, he passed when she was eight years old, and um, he was supposed to get a second reading when he was thirteen. Okay. So he never got that second reading. So do you yeah. feel that maybe his passing just just 
caused a hole in his heart or something like that, that maybe that could have been the, the, the start of him moving down the other path since, you know, he was such a big influence on TJ. I mean, I can only imagine having Edgar Casey as your, your mentor and father figure, I guess, because, you know, Boyd wasn't there. He was off doing his thing and not having a stable environment. Do you think maybe that may have caused that oh, I, kind of started the path? Absolutely. But, you know, the thing is, um, I have a chapter in my book about um, what Casey wanted uh, for his for TJ's education. He had wanted him to go to the, the high mowing school in New Hampshire. And he had um, the the woman who founded the school. Her name was Beulah Emmett. Um, and as it turned out, Casey had done a reading on her and found out that she had been an assistant or a teacher's aide to like Aristotle, who was also Alexander's teacher. So, uh, so there was that connection there. So Casey very much wanted TJ entrusted to Mrs. Emmett because he knew that he, that he would be in good hands and he was all set to go. Uh, Mrs. Emmett accepted him at a much younger age than she normally accepted students. Gladys had them all packed. They had their train tickets. They're ready to go. And at the very last minute, his mother says, no, I don't want him to go. Pulls them away, you know, and that was, that was, I think, and, and TJ used to say this all the time. That's when his life went like this. The trajectory changed completely. That whole timeline changed. Yeah. And, and when Casey died, there was nobody at the ARE that, took TJ under their wing to continue his metaphysical esoteric education. So Mr. Casey was gone and, and I was like, we're not blaming them. It's they had did everything they could do to just keep the ARE afloat once Casey died, but he was thrown from pillar to post at that point. You know, his mother would take him for a little while, then she'd throw him back to Gladys, and then they sent him to Ohio to live with the grandmother. Then he went and lived with an aunt and uncle. He was constantly a little little kid on the bus going back and forth, back and forth. There was no consistency at all in his in his upbringing. I have to I have to admit something too. When I was reading your book, it rem- I was you know not like I had a very similar journeys as a childhood and. Um, I, I had an alcoholic, uh, stepfather, so I understand the idea of having a, a disruptive, uh, household, but even as a child, it was so, it has, it's kind of a difficult childhood and I could actually feel the anxiety and the fear from the book. And I honestly, I had to skip the pages because every time you talked about Berlin and it's like, man, I can't read this. I had to flip the page because it just came through. So, I mean, obviously I'm an impasse, so I'm going to pick that stuff up anyways, but just that story about bouncing around as a childhood. I remember that as a young man, as a, as a young kid, like moving from house to house to house. I'm at one babysitter. I'm at another person's house. I'm at this person's house. I'm at my aunt's house. I'm at my grandparents' house and just having all that stress around. And it just kind of like that parallel story. And it was interesting in reading that. I was like, Jesus, it really begs the question, you know, the whole idea between nature versus nurture, you know? Yeah. 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 He, um, he had no fondness for his parents at all. I mean, he didn't really, you know, he looked at them as just two souls that brought him into this world. And that was the end of it. He, he knew he belonged to Mr. Casey and, uh, and that's how, that's how he lived. So those first eight years were just the most enchanting 
life a little boy could possibly have. So imagine going from that, you know, to the stark reality of nobody wants you, you know, everything that Mr. Casey said you could do. Now nobody was there to help you achieve that. He's only eight years old. And that's that was the point I was trying to make. Don't blame him for not going down that path that Mr. Casey wanted because he was only eight he couldn't make those decisions for himself sure when he was 18 he or as an adult he could have thought no mr casey wanted me to do this well how am i going to do this now what am i supposed to do um i really think honestly michael that the the reading people are interpreting that reading wrong i i really don't think he was meant to do something of a political uh nature you know for the world i think what I really honestly believe it had to do with the readings that he knew those readings backward and forward because he used to sit in on, on them sometimes and, um, or he would read them while Mr. Casey was busy doing a reading. He'd be somewhere in the library reading the previous re readings that he had done. So he knew the readings and he was very attentive to them. He knew what, he knew what they were all about. The language didn't bother him. You know, the language for your, uh, listener, the, the language of the readings is really can be a little convoluted at times. It's sometimes difficult to understand. Yes. Uh, uh, but the, he, he didn't have that problem at all. And, um, you know, he loved Mr. Casey. He knew that he had been told he'd been Thomas Jefferson. I don't think when he was three, he knew what that meant. But, uh, but he would he would say that sometimes to people, you know, like he'd go up to Mr. Casey and insist that, you know, I wrote the Declaration of Independence or something. And I have some stories in, in the book about how the Jefferson life seeped through, the bleed through from that life into TJ's life now. I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you about is, you know, you know one of the questions also too, let me just, I mean, as far as the bleed through goes, is how often did that happen with TJ? Because I know sometimes as people start doing certain things, I know uh, even in the readings that if you go to a certain location that you may be from uh, maybe in a past life where well, you don't know that you had a past life, but you had an interest there. Let's say, for example, it was Italy, right? You wanted to go to Italy and just for some reason you're fascinated by Italian culture, but you go through and then all of a sudden you have these bleed throughs. Did that happen a lot with TJ? Yeah, it happened quite a bit. It happened when he was... Uh, um right after he got out of the Marine Corps, uh, he decided he was going to do some traveling and he went to, uh, he ended up, uh, well, I should say, he and a bunch of his friends at Virginia Beach, they were all little entrepreneurs, you know, and they would sell things on the beach to the tourists and then they'd collect all the money and then they would go someplace. Well, one one time they decided, you know, we're gonna throw, uh, uh, locations in a hat we'll each pick one well tj picked uh luxembourg and and uh so he flew to luxembourg he gets in the airport and he goes i don't know what i'm doing here i don't want to be here i can't even understand this language and somebody came up a, a young man came up to him tapped on his shoulder he says you can't read that sign can you he said no he said well um he was a state student at uh uh nyu i guess and um he said i'll come home with me. He said, um, stay with me for a while until you get your bearings. And he, so they were going to Greece because that's where this young man was from. So he gets to Greece and finds out that this young man's father was the mayor of uh, Thessaloniki. And 
he was living in the house that Aristotle used to live in. Come on, that's uh, crazy. Yeah, and uh, and TJ said that everybody in Greece treated him like he was the king, like he was, you know, royalty. And uh, and so there was a lot of through that came through when he was there. Then he decided he was going to travel. So he goes and he travels. Um, he goes and travels to uh, Perugia in Italy. And uh, there's a whole story there about when he enrolled in the uh, university uh, there and he needed a place to stay. But I can't tell you that story because I have to tell you about Stefanella. That's one of his imaginary friends that is involved with that story. So you, your listeners will have to look at that, read the book to get that story. Oh, definitely. Um, but he, um, his aunt Gladys told him that he kept traveling, you know, all through Europe and, um, and he went into, he went to Egypt. He went all over. And when he told Gladys, you know, where he had been, it turns out he had followed the exact trail, I guess, that Alexander took when he was on his little conquering the world tour. No uh, way. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of stuff going on there as far as bleed through was concerned. The other thing was when he was in school, um, I tell this one story that I, <laughs> he was in. Um, he was, was that a, the one he about what the, the teacher asked him to do an assignment? Yeah, he, he, it was his final exam in history, I guess. Yeah. And, and she wrote, a, they had to write an essay and he didn't know the answer. He didn't know what the, he did. I don't know if it was, he had to write an essay or whether she was asking specific questions, but whatever it was, he didn't, he didn't have a clue. So he says, you know, I'm going to write whatever it is that I know to write. So he writes out the entire declaration of independence and the statute for religious freedom and the declaration of independence. And he signs the names of eight of the signers. He says, I just signed the names of the ones who were my friends. And he hands it into her. And she said, this, you know, I'm sick and tired of you. You're, you're fooling around here. You're not taking this seriously. She said, but but she, he was sitting right in front of her. So she knew he could not have cheated. He couldn't have copied this. How does he write the declaration word for word? I, I don't know anybody that could do that, right? So they suspended him for a few days. So they looked into it. Then they realized there was nothing they could accuse him of, you know, so they passed him. But that was just one of of uh, many such stories about, you know, his, you know, he followed a lot of Jefferson's interests. He went into law school for a, a while because he thought he'd be a lawyer like Jefferson. Um, he played the fiddle, which Jefferson did. Uh he looked like Jefferson. Um, and like I said, everybody at the ARE that would visit Mr. Casey was just absolutely amazed by this little boy and were sure that that's who he was. Um, you know, now, P.S., because I am a past life researcher and therapist, um, there are many souls who believe they were Thomas Jefferson. There are maybe six that I know of. And there, some of them are right here in Charlottesville. Um, but nobody has the story that TJ has, you know, from the time that he was two year, days old. And then all of the little things that happened uh, throughout his life with Casey and then beyond uh, that would indicate that he's the real deal. And uh, having met him and, and having been privileged to be his friend, um, 
and having had many a uh, late night conversation with him on the phone, uh, there's nobody I, I I would venture to say that comes close to comes close to him. Um, I I just feel I felt it in my heart the moment I I saw him, um, and like but like I said, this was not a focus of his life. His his focus was on Mr. Casey. But still, um, he became like, uh, he didn't tell anybody when he was older who, who he had been. He kept all that a secret until I started prying it out of him. And I said, you know, you should talk to people. Um, and you know what? When he did talk to people, he mesmerized them. They hung on his every word. He was just such a fascinating, charismatic man. Um, it was like people are just, you know, um, he had a lot of groupies. <laughs> a lot of women uh, uh, were just crazy about him. Uh, and I, uh, I just think if we had had more time, uh, there was a lot more that we talked about doing that we could have done together. Um, you know, he had his own demons and his own issues in this life. So he was karmically paying for some things, obviously. So, yeah. You know, it's not that he, um, people get the misguided uh, impression that when you're doing, uh, when you have past lives, that each one gets successfully better and better and better. And that's not the case. In the in Casey's readings, he would say, well, that's so gained in that life or that's so lost in that life. Uh, this one, you know, he was repeating some of the uh, Jefferson pattern uh, of uh, having a problem with money, money management. The ironic thing is Mr. Casey told him uh, before he died, he said, you know, when you're of age, go to Charlottesville. I want you to buy some property in Charlottesville and that's where you should live. So he did. He, he came to Charlottesville. I think he came around 93, maybe. Really? And, and he bought property. He had 40 acres on a mountain that guess what? When he went to the top of the mountain, with his binoculars, he could see Monticello right across the mountain, the next mountain over. And it used to drive him crazy to see the people. He goes, that's my house. <laughs> why are they, why are they in my house? And I'm living in, and he was living basically on abject poverty. Really. Wow. From when, from where, where he was, uh, who he had been to where he would not, um, you would say that's totally illogical, you know, but that was, that was uh, his karmic path. And he never complained about anything, uh, never. Uh, he was a very, uh, he, you know, he accepted whatever life gave him with, with a certain amount of grace. So um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Joanne, is I know because, you know, obviously we had our conversation a couple of years ago when we talked about, you know, your past life regression and past life regression therapy. Were you a past life regression therapist prior to meeting TJ or was that the inspiration to start doing past life regression? Um, I, I'd, I'd started it before I met him, but I had started my path, my metaphysical career in 1987, right after Shirley McLean's Out on a Limb was aired as a miniseries on ABC for two nights. That was my big wake up call. And after that, I just became, I, I, I read a lot about reincarnation as a, as a teenager, but I didn't think of it as a um, career. And uh, so then when I 
1987, and that's the year that I joined the ARE, and a friend of mine who knew I loved history said to me, you know, you might be interested in, in reading about this, this case that Casey uh, had. His number is 1208. In the, re in the Casey readings, uh, people were given numbers to pres uh, you know, preserve their anonymity. So 1208 was case was TJ's number. So if those of you who are ARE members, you can actually go on the on the website and go into the readings and just type 1208 and all of his readings will come up. You're, you can you can read them. Um, so I I did, and that's how I found out about him. And I thought, okay, as a historian and as a writer, I was, and as a past life therapist, I was really curious about what is it like for a little boy to grow up thinking he had been this great man? Was it a burden or was it a blessing? So I was just curious about, I thought this is a great story. And you know, Michael, I identify myself as a, as a reporter for the universe. <laughs> so to me, this was like the great scoop, right? Of course. So, uh, you know, so I, I spent years and years and years trying to track him down. And I just got one wall in front of me after the other. Uh, finally, uh, um, I was uh, got a call from um, the people at ARE, and they told me that um, if I wanted to come to Virginia Beach, they would point him out to me, but under no circumstances was I to connect with him. And I thought, why? You know, it, it, they made it sound so sinister. And so I thought, well... Was it just a way to protect him, or...? Not him, protect me, they said. <laughs> um so they said he was like a he's like a, a child of a rock star. That's the kind of life he was leading, you know. And so um, anyway, I didn't do what they what they said. And then I moved here to Charlottesville in 1995, um, pursuing some past life research. And um, I met a uh, a fellow past life therapist who was working at the University of Virginia Medical Center. And he said, uh, he, he mentioned me then to a woman, a nurse there at the, at the center. And then she called me and invited me uh, and my children to go to their home for dinner to welcome me to Charlottesville. Well, she said her name was um, Thomas, Cindy Thomas. And, uh, and, but then she gave me a few hints. She said, well, my husband is a stay-at-home dad, which I knew he was. I knew a little bit about his life here in, in Charlottesville. So um, I called my friend back and I said, well, thanks for the you know introduction. I said, um, well, she said her last name was, oh, when she called me, she said, my husband, TJ Davis and I would like to invite you. So then I knew. Wow. I thought the universe is orchestrating this big time. And so I did. I went up with my children to his home uh, for dinner, and um, it was very bizarre. Um, uh, the energy was very um, familiar, uh, and yet uh, uh, a little bit stressed or strained a little bit. Um, and so uh, we became friends, but our, our friendship was on and off. Like we'd be friends for a few years, then he would disappear on me for a few years. And then he swooped back in. He um, he called me and he said that he uh, he said, I think I know you. <laughs> I didn't make a great impression, I guess, the first time we met, but it had been about eight years. And he came to Unity Church where we had our meeting. And uh, 
it was then that I approached him about, how about if I do, uh, could I do your biography? And uh, he agreed. And so, you know, we, we went from there. It took eight years to get it finished. Oh, wow. Uh, so it was interview. I was me interviewing him and then driving back and forth to Virginia Beach to go to the archives um, to read his file and any file, his mother's file, his father's, Gladys's, anybody that had any interaction with him. I was reading all the letters that were going because they made, Gladys made copies of everything. I mean, everything yeah. is there. His report cards are there. The pictures that he drew are there. It's just absolutely amazing. Uh, you have to have permission, obviously, to to go into the archives to do this, and he gave me permission to do that. So then it took a few different drafts of the book until we got it right, and uh, I was so so pleased to be able to do this because I actually made a promise to him before in the pre life planning session that I would do this for him. <laughs> so I feel like I did it. I, I I'm grateful that I did it. I'm grateful that it came out while he was still with us. Yeah, because he, he just it. he just passed away just recently, didn't he? Passed away in May. Yeah, May seventh. Yeah, so I miss him very, very much. And it's interesting. Uh, that's I'll tell you about synchronicities about this because this whole thing started just before May. I was having a lot of bleed through issues myself. I'm having these a lot of stuff coming up, and uh, over the last little while, things have changed in my own development, and I've had so many different bleed throughs. And some of the stuff I knew already because I had a, a reading from um, from a friend of mine who was a very well. Uh, very, very well documented psychic himself in this area. And I had a reading from him. And so he's describing past lives. So I was getting a lot of these bleed throughs. And one was especially on Egypt. So I kept thinking, I was like, ah, you know, I just, I was so fascinated about reincarnation, past lives. It just started tweaking us like that. And I was just going over some of my uh, videos of it. And you showed up. And I just remember something about TJ. And it's like, she wrote a book about this guy. I said, I got to try to get a copy of this, right? So, Thankfully, it's on Amazon, right? So I was like, thank God for the big store. So I was like, okay, perfect. And exactly, I got the book. You put a post up. And that's when you put a post on Facebook and saying, you know, uh, TJ passed away. And I said, this is just like, and I said, oh, I got to do a show about this. You know, one, because it's just such a fascinating story about TJ. And I don't think a lot of the public really knows about this gentleman and his, and his amazing life. And just the story itself. I mean, sure. We can just focus on Alexander Thomas Jefferson, but it's so much more than that. Like, I mean, to think about how souls will reconnect with other souls in this big journey and their the willingness to kind of choose bad parents, just to be with those other people that they just incarnated so many times with. Now, have you done any research with yourself with the connection with TJ as far as past lives? Have you kind of did a regression of yourself? Is there another connection that you two have that you're yeah, aware of? We do, but I don't talk about it. <laughs> Come on, you give us the. No, give us the, no, give us the, no, you're not going to get it out of me. No. <laughs> <laughs> We've been together many, many, many lifetimes, starting in Atlantis. Um, and we had a lot, we had, uh, yeah, we had several lifetimes together. Um, so there was that recognition when we were together. I think uh, that's, I think that's something that's key that a lot of people don't, they don't know why they know this person, but you just know them. It's just like, I've had that a few times and it's like, I don't know why I know you, but I just know you. And I've had other people say that to me. I just, I just, I don't know where I know you from. 
And I'm, it's funny because I always laugh because I was on television for, for almost 18 years, right? You know, it wasn't like I was a big channel stuff, but I was always in on the television, right? So I always laugh. Oh, you see me from TV. They go, no, 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 no. I know you from somewhere. Yeah. And it's like, you said, you try to go through, it's like, oh, do you know this person? Do you know this person? Then, But it's so much deeper on the on a deeper level, on a soul level that you know somebody. Yeah. Did you did you ever do a regression on TJ? Did he ever let he you do it? He wouldn't let me. He would not let me. No. And the other thing wow. he would do with me was he would not go up to Monticello with me. That was so, my that was okay. my thing. Okay, so just for people listening who who don't know the history of Thomas Jefferson, what is Monticello? Monticello is Thomas Jefferson's home okay. here in Charlottesville. Yeah. It's yeah. a national historic landmark. And People come from all over to visit. It's absolutely gorgeous, just gorgeous. And all of his inventions are in there. And um, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a magical place, really. Um, that must yeah. be so bizarre from him. Like, you know, like you say, he's up on his little mountain peak and he can look down through his uh, binoculars. He can look down and just see his beautiful home. And then all these strangers are, you know, fuddling through his home. And he's just like... And I could only imagine in his mind, and I was just like going, oh, these, oh, these Cretans, get out of my place, please. Yeah, um, Stop the, touching my stuff. Yeah, you're collecting all that money, and I'm living in poverty over here, you know? I mean, he had a really good uh, uh, friend uh, who was uh, almost like a guardian. She was a friend of Gladys's, and after Gladys died, she sort of took TJ under her wing. She called him her little brother. and. Um, I think at one point she sent a letter to the governor of Virginia and told him who TJ had been, that he had been Jefferson and that they should not charge him any taxes on his house. And, and they should, you know, yeah, I, I, I was like, uh, no, you don't, you don't do that. You don't, you know, um, I, he was appalled. And I thought, I don't know, because, you know, it's, it's hard enough when you're doing this kind of work to gain credibility. Yeah. So, you know, I try to keep everything I do on a very high professional basis. All my books are based on research projects. So it's not me pontificating to you about the reality of reincarnation. So when you do, when, when you, when people do things like that, you know, it just takes the rug right out from under us because, you know, then we look like a bunch of kooks. Mm -hmm. And and then the fact that there's like six Thomas Jeffersons, I cannot tell you how many um, uh, Martha Jeffersons there are. There are uh, in my own practice, I've had people come to me. I had a woman come to me and tell me she was, was Thomas Paine in a previous life. And I said, what makes you think you were Thomas Paine? And she said, because he was a good talker and so am I. <laughs> that was the extent of it. But you know what? That is so true. I've heard people say things like that. I mean, I'm not a past life regressionist, but I've had people say that that's because they have one quality of trait that's similar to that. Yeah. And they're always been fascinated by that individual. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's got to be difficult because I mean, I recently, like everybody like assumes they had a, a, a past life because I think, you know, when remember Shirley MacLaine, everybody's talking about this, oh, I was Cleopatra, I was this. And it was that running joke that back in the 80s that, you know, everybody had the past life, right? They're always joking about it. I remember that as as, as a kid. It's like everybody just kind of joked, oh, I was this person, you know? Um, and it, yeah, but you know what? There is an extreme 
extreme um, difference between some of the people who actually was and then the people who think they are. And I think sometimes it gets lost in it, but it's, it's, it's important to understand that it's really about your soul's journey. You know, it's not just really the one life, but it's the cumulative lives. And it's, I think one of the things is missing is, are you gaining in this life or are you losing in this life? I think a lot of people don't understand that part too, as well. Yeah. If, when I talked to TJ, he, he would tell me that, you know, I knew he was working on this issue of money because he never had any money. And, uh, and, and Jefferson had that problem too, with his spending. Um, the biggest thing that TJ was the most um, regretful about with Jefferson was the issue of slavery. Definitely the issue of slavery. So in this life, I'd say he tremendously gained uh, in that regard. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's the people who are really worse because we all, all these famous people have, you know, had souls and they've come back and chosen whatever body they chose to come in and whatever family they chose to come in because the family that they come in is the right socioeconomic background to help their soul learn whatever lesson it decided it's going to work on in this lifetime. So, yeah, you know, TJ's whole thing about the proceedings and the Casey teachings, which he would have been excellent at sharing with people. But but he never, like I said, he didn't talk too much about the Jefferson life. The The funny part was every once in a while he'd slip. And because uh, I asked him one time, I said, so do you think you were Thomas Jefferson because you remember being Thomas Jefferson? Or is it because Mr. Casey told you you were Mr. Jefferson? Because now it's because Casey told me. So he at one point he's saying he had no memory of being Jefferson. And yet how could he explain away the fact that he wrote the, out the Declaration of Independence when he was a, a kid in school? And then every once in a while he'd say something to me, especially in our own personal relationship. You know, if I'd get uh, upset with him, I would kind of shut down and not talk to him for a while because he was so he was so endearing but so unreliable you know to get him to sit down with me to work on this book was like Argh. but um so i would just cool i'd have to go in my cooling period for a while and then he we put we reconnect and he goes oh you used to always do that for and i was like what do you mean you know he goes, oh from the last lifetime don't you remember and i'm like well i thought you didn't remember you know so uh so little stuff like that would just would just kind of come up and uh, and he could tell you if he knew somebody from a prior lifetime because you know everybody wanted to meet him because everybody thought that they knew him from the Jefferson life you know he could identify whether or not that was true or not um, and the thing about people with true past, true famous past lives that I've learned over the 35 years I've been doing this work is that they're extremely humble extremely humble they don't brag about who they were in a prior lifetime because they understand that they're here for a different reason. That was then, this is now, you know, you brought some pieces of that with you maybe karmically that you're dealing with now, but you can't rest on your laurels lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. Alexander the Great, TJ found that an appalling lifetime. He, you know, he wouldn't ever brag about that. He used to say, you know, I won't even, 
Because if I'm going down my driveway and I see little animals or, you know, I, I'll stop and pick them up and move them out of the way because I don't kill anything. And Alexander was, you know, off on this this death spree. So um, so there's there's a lot more to it than than the ego allows you to believe. OK. And a lot of this and I don't judge I, when I have clients who come to me, you know, I, I make no judgment. There's a reason they're saying this. Um, the people that think that they were Napoleon, I'll say to them, are you seeing Napoleon on the horse or are you on the horse looking out of your eyes at the crowd? Because sometimes people that when you have a, a famous past life, a lot of people know you, right? You're visible. You're in the public eye. And I think sometimes people that were in that past life with them who saw them then associate themselves with that. Uh, identity and then they you know they they make that assumption that that's who they were so, that's a very uh, interesting perspective on that wow yeah, yeah. and um uh i don't usually work with people who come to me and say that they believe that they were somebody famous and will i take them to that lifetime because uh, when I work with people, I ask their soul to take them to the lifetime that's most impacting them now. I don't say, take them to Atlantis or take them to, you know, to medieval England or whatever, um, because it needs to come from within. It needs to come directly from your soul. Um, that's why I don't really rely on readers either. I don't do readings. I don't tell people who they were. Um uh, because I believe they need to do that journey on their own. And I've been really privileged to work with people all over the world. And when you do, it's so interesting. People are, we're all working on the same issues. We're all wondering, why are we here? I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. What's my mission? You know, um, and then that connection they're looking for, that sense of loneliness that people express. Yeah. Um, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Why do I feel this way? I don't understand. Um, there's just, it's, it, to me, past life work is the most profound healing modality that I've ever experienced. And usually in one session, people get their answers. So, um, and so part of his life for the, the time that I was, uh, it was a, a, a privilege and, and an honor. And I feel really humble about having played a role in, in telling his story and in the story explaining that the reason he didn't do everything that Casey said he did could do is because of free will. And yeah. that's the bottom line in past life work. It's free will. And you can change your mind at any given point in time and then go off on a whole different trajectory. And that's what happened with him. Now, speaking of free will and choice. So as you said in your post on Facebook, he's now with his Eddie Keiki. Um, yeah. Now, as far as I understand for the readings, Casey's supposed to reincarnate in, I, I can't remember the date. Do you think maybe TJ might be over the other side talking to Eddie right now and saying, hey, what's the deal? What do we think we all hook up together the next lifetime? Yeah, maybe try to all come in at the same time. That would be helpful, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I know that there's talk about, I just saw something today on Facebook on the uh one of the Edgar Casey Facebook groups talking about him coming back in 2158 or something like that. Okay. Yeah. I knew it was like a, a fair, yeah, fair bit away. Yeah. But I don't know that, I don't know, that, you know, 
if he will or not. But uh, TJ said he would come back. He said he had a lot more work to do. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm he did sure. get all those people out of his house. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see about that. Maybe but, he'll uh, come back and he'll actually have his money problems sold out, and then he can just buy the house. And you know, and be like some oh. you know billionaire that he just go out and buy his house and. And uh, he wouldn't have any uh, issues with that, but uh, yeah, that'd be so interesting to see if when if those two come back, and, you know, and you know, at the same lifetime stuff like that, and see what happens. But according to you know, if I was talking to John uh, on his po- on on the podcast a while ago too. He talked about twenty thirty eight, and there's big changes happening with this timeline prophecy, and there's supposed to be a thousand years of of evil being kind of closed down. That's kind of I'm kind of par- par- paraphrasing that, so. It'd be a, a perfect time for 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 them to come back and you know reeducate everybody and it's actually it'd be a good time right now with all the craziness happening in the world right now. I think we, it'd be lost, yeah. We've lost so many. Um, I personally have lost so many mentors, and I guess I'm getting at that point in life now where you know uh, they're making their transition, um, and it's sad because um, you know there aren't that many Casey scholars left anymore. And um, I just don't ever want that material to be lost. I don't, I, I want that, I want that legacy of Casey to continue. And I wish more people would, uh, would take the time to get to know who he was and, and all the tremendous good that he's done. Especially, like I said, with the health readings, you know, we're just catching up. Uh, that's one of the reasons I wrote my book about uh, physical karma. Karma can be a real pain. And I, I went and did a lot of research on the the health readings that he did about why. And I do a session with people now about if they've got a chronic condition, did, did it originate in a previous lifetime? And if it did, does knowing about it release it in this life? So that was another research project that I did. But all, that was because of Casey, because of the work that he had done in that area. Yeah. So. There's just a, there's just a lot there. You know, TJ used to tell me he was going to live to 140, and I was not happy with him when he left when he was only 86. <laughs> so, so anyway, I I don't know how long he's going to hang out with his friends in in the afterlife, uh, but um, but I hope I hope you know most people most souls it takes. 50 to 200 years between lifetimes depends on, uh, or, and also they could come back sooner. depends on how they left, but that's another story. But for him, uh, I think he, he knows he has a lot of work to do, but he's going to try to time it this time a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. That was such a, a crazy uh, at the beginning of your book. And you talked about the timing and where he was looking at Casey, how can I connect? And then all of a sudden, because like you say, there's no time on the other side and he just kind of looked away and then all of a sudden Casey's uh, older and, you yeah. know, uh, and his wife there is older and they've already had the kids and uh, it was like, oh, what do I do now? So yeah. it's such a fascinating story. Well, I, I, I'm always been a big fan of, uh, I always call him Eddie Kiki. I'm going to use that for now. So he's probably on their side. He's probably looking at me and he's just kind of just staring at me. I just, cause you know, he has got that piercing look. Even if you look at his picture, I always think he's like, he's, like he's just looking at me. It's just really, it's kind of weird sometimes. I just, if I'm having a bad day or something, his like, I'll just look at his book and his picture will just kind of just look at you and he's got that look. And like, he's just looking right <laughs> through you. Right. So, 
Yeah. But um, I, I'm, I'm always a big fan. He's been a big influence on me. I know I never had any spiritual mentors as a child or as a young man. So I fell into uh, Casey's stuff very, very late uh, in the ball game. Um, but just reading over his work and then all the people associated with that too, as well, like yourself, John, everybody else that I've met through the area. I just think it's a fabulous thing. I, I really can't see it going anywhere. Um, like anything, it's just going to ebbs and flows. Um, on a side note, from I have you know because I work in the world, the the world weird weird world yeah. of the woo woo. How was that a hard one to say? <laughs> <laughs> that I understand that. A lot of people who are in the psychic areas now that Casey's working with everybody on the other side. Anyway, he's working with so many people on our side. I, I just, it's just like he's continuous work, but he's just on the other side now, yeah, yeah. which is uh, so fascinating from my, from my understanding. Um, but uh, yeah, I just think his legacy will always uh, live on. I think the story of that, you know, it's an interesting story about, you know, TJ, you know, I, I kind of want to do this, this the show about him is kind of an homage to him, an homage, I guess I just say. Pardon me, I'm you know, yeah. problem speaking there. Yeah. I think just it's nice to to somebody to recognize this, but it's just it's more than his past lives. And I, even though I kind of the whole thing was kind of to to get you interested, you know. But obviously Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, and Alexander the Great. Of course, people are going to be tuning in. Who's that? What are you talking about? But it's more than a story. Like, it's just a story of, you know, it's almost like a love story. It's almost like I always think that love is the one thing that transcends space and time. And that the love for an individual or a group supersedes anything else that could ever happen in an individual's incarnation, his lifetime. To, you know, this willingness to to go through these lifetimes together and reincarnate after another. To be that in just a matter of, I need to be with these people again. Yeah. Even, it doesn't matter how short or how long. I just need to be with my family, my soul family. I just think that's such a, a cool and neat idea that uh, that we have and we can do that. Yeah, I think that the whole idea of a soul family is what's so fascinating, that we've been together with the same group of souls since the beginning of time, since creation, actually. And uh, that's why I say there's no such thing as an old soul, because we were all created at the same time. I think that the term old soul comes from some people have opted to come back more often and they've gained a lot more knowledge. So they come across as this great, you know, seer. Um, but basically we're all the same. There's no such thing as an old soul or a young soul or a retired soul. I mean, you know, we're all the same. So what was interesting about that is one time I had a medium who was doing reading for me. And um, I didn't tell her anything about my connection to Casey at all. And she said to me, you know, she said, Edgar Casey's coming through. And I go, really? And then she said, um, do you know what he's most proud of about you? And I said, me, what? She said that you're, that you're carrying on his teachings on inspirational writing, because that's the other part of the work that I do. It's, I call it soul writing, but Casey called it inspirational writing. And that was actually my thesis for my master's degree. And I teach it now. Um, and uh, she said, you know, he's really, really, really proud that that you're doing that. And she said, do you know why you're so uh, involved with Casey? And I said, no. She says, because you were his daughter in a life in Africa. And so I thought, I don't remember any lifetimes in Africa. So I called TJ and I said, hey, um, 
because I thought if I'm part of that soul family, then I'm part of TJ's soul. We're all somehow, whether we're in the core of it or whether we're on the periphery, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I said to him, hey, you know, she said that um, I had been with him in Africa. I said, I don't remember a, a lifetime in Africa. And he said, Joanne, Egypt is in Africa. <laughs> I didn't even put two and two together. <laughs> so, yeah. So our little soul family here has some humor to it. <laughs> That's, uh, you know, from my understanding of people who, who I guess, would connect with Casey, he has such a sense of humor. It's like a dry yeah. humor, but a sense of humor that way. So, but yeah, it's it's uh, so amazing. But uh, Joanne, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, talk about TJ today. Oh, it's been my pleasure. I'm always light up when I when I talk about him, especially now that he's gone. So I appreciate this opportunity, Michael. Thank you so much. You're quite welcome. So I really appreciate that. So that being said, Joanne, like I always like to promote my uh, guests on there. I've, obviously, you can pick up the book. Uh, I picked it up on Amazon. So for those who are, want to uh, pick it up. Uh, um, but if you uh, want to connect with Joanne, um, how do they do that, Joanne? Um, my website is joannedimaggio.com, J-O-A-N-N-E-D-I-M-A-G-G-I-O.com. Yes, like the baseball player. Uh, and uh, um, the different kinds of regressions that I offer and the soul writing and um, the books. And I've got a newsletter you can sign up for where I do a case study every month and a soul writing message. So um, if you're interested, you could sign up for that and uh if you want a regression, you can book it right online, uh, and I do them through Zoom. So um, I'm happy to to work with anybody that's interested in exploring their past lives. Yeah, that's that's so amazing. And again, I've had a few people that reached out to me and had a session with you, and they really enjoyed it. So if you get a chance, uh, you know, get on the old interweb there and. Uh, book yourself an appointment there and uh but that being said joanne thank you so much i really appreciate that um yeah i know tj and eddie i'm gonna, so he's eddie gonna, cakey. I'm gonna be using that forever now eddie cakey uh i'm sure they're looking down at you right now and they're smiling right now so um and again everybody i just want to say again thank you so much for tuning into the show today this has been the metaphysical mentor podcast with michael philpot thank you so much for joining me and goodbye for now